I spent the last three years learning from some of the most ingenious mergers and acquisition specialists around. And now I've decided to take the leap into buying businesses. The real questions are how will I do it? How much of the behind the scenes can we really show? And how can business owners like you maximize their purchase price and build generational wealth? This show is going to give you the answers. Join me and follow along as I share mine and other stories as we buy, sell, or merge healthcare businesses and physical therapy practices. I'm Dave Kittle, and this is The Dave Kittle Show. Hello, hello, everyone. This is Dave Kittle, and this is The Dave Kittle Show. Today, we have Ray Berardinelli, one of our physical therapy colleagues and a previous practice owner. Today, we're going to talk to him about his practice, Bellacare Physical Therapy in Pennsylvania, why he sold and exited his practice, who he sold to, a little bit of terms, not necessarily the purchase price. We're going to hear about why he did all that and his impressions and the most important aspects of his transaction and deal. So today, hey, Ray, when you were out there navigating and kind of learning about this whole process, what was the most important pro- like point of the process when you were you were speaking to other potential buyers, you were going through their negotiations, interactions, probably a lot of calls and emails back and forth. You were kind of learning and understanding the process. What was the most important process or part of any aspect of the entire process going through this? So was it was it knowing and finding out what it's actually worth on the market? Was it identifying your colleague to actually take over and and have him acquire the practice as opposed to you selling to some corporate chain or someone that you don't really know or what, like what was really important to you? I mean, it sounds like you wanted your employees to be taken care of. And at the same time, you wanted like the best possible price, but within that whole dynamic was what was the most important thing for you? Do you think for me personally was being able to pursue my, my passion. Like once I found my passion, I knew that I needed to pursue that. The hardest part of it was that, like I said, was that was the sticker shock. You know, it's worth how much? Wait, that's it? <laughs> because it's kind of like, you know, should I just work for the next three years? Should I pay somebody else to, to run this? Should I, you know, I, I realized I couldn't be the slave to two masters. And if I did that, I would do neither well. And that, that had become readily apparent to me because I was trying to phase myself out of it and I wasn't devoting myself fully to the practice because of that. The practice was sort of suffering a little bit because I wasn't completely devoted to it. I was worried about creating the self-documenting medical record and not so much looking at, at the nuts and bolts of my practice, you know, seeing where, where opportunities were pursuing those opportunities because anybody, well, everybody knows this. It's real, you have to be 100% in. You've got to be relentless about it if you're going to grow. If you're right. not relentless about it, you're not. You're just not going to grow. Right. So if there's another physical therapy practice owner or other healthcare practice owner that's listening to this, what advice would you have for them if they are in a situation where maybe they don't know? I'm sure they, they probably have colleagues that they know own other practices nearby. Do you have advice for them in terms of your approach and your experience, like should they do a similar approach and and just voluntarily go and reach out to other practice owners that might be similar scale or have larger scale that might be interested in potentially buying their, their practice? Is it something maybe even before that, should they really 
sit back and, and look at their life and their situation in regards to kind of building out an exit strategy or some type of a succession plan? Yeah. So yeah, the first step in any journey like that is taking stock of yourself. Like, is it time or isn't it time? You know, is, are you at a point where you're like, okay, I'm ready to move on. You know, there's something else that I'm passionate about that I want to pursue, you know, because ultimately that's what it's about. You could stay. I could have stayed and I would have, and if I had really dedicated myself to something that I wasn't any longer passionate about, I could have made a ton of money if I had just stayed and stuck it out and kept working at it. But ultimately, you know, happiness in your life is more important than the dollars in your bank account. And so if, if that's, if it's going to bring you happiness in your life and peace, then yeah, then you got to do it. There's not even a, a choice. And that, that's where I was. You know, if if that isn't attainable through what you're doing to make a living, then you probably should move. <laughs> you know, you probably should move. You should, probably should pursue your passion, pursue what you're passionate about. I can't even remember who the the philosopher that I, that I heard talking about this, but he said, we try to make a living so that we can go on living. That is to say, we go to work every day and do something that we don't like doing so that we can go to work every day and continue to do something that we don't like doing, which we call living, which is stupid. So, and that's kind of where I was. I wasn't enjoying myself anymore. I did for a number of years, for 12 years or so, 13 years, I really enjoyed it. And then when I found like, you know, fixing that, that problem within my practice was waking me up in the middle of the night and I'm frantically writing down notes. I knew it was time for me to go. And and like, it's not even something you could tell somebody, oh, well, you know, it's time for you to go when this, no, it, it's, you kind of just got to feel it. You know, you got to feel it when, okay, it's time to start moving that way. There's more to this life than what I am doing. I'm not happy with it. I don't like it. You know, and, and I'm facing the same things that everybody was facing, declining reimbursement. People are coming out of school demanding more money. You know, and not like, well, we're making less and you guys are demanding more, you know. So it was it was that balancing act. The whole sort of thing just it was wearing on me. Let's just say that it, it was just wearing on me, wearing on me, wearing on me. And then I found my passion and it was like, OK, it's time to move. And the fact that I wasn't that the market rate was not what I wanted out of it was only a minor detail. The bigger thing was I was getting out. I was pursuing my passion. I was going to enjoy what I was doing every day for a living. Right. And when you have the one office from the other owners that we've spoken to in terms of potentially acquiring their offices, most of them understand that if they have multiple offices, then they can negotiate a higher multiple, a higher multiple of EBITDA or net profits. They are able to demonstrate that they have a not necessarily a turnkey operation, but typically it's a a practice that's independent of them because they're not going to be trading in multiple offices. So a practice that has multiple offices can sell at a higher multiple versus a practice like yours that was the solo office or location. So I sold a job. I sold a job. I didn't sell a business. Right. Like oh I'd like and and you know like I don't mean to offend anybody, but you know, this in the same situation that I was. I sold a job. I had to go there every day. I had to be there every day. And I made that place 
for a long time dependent on me. So that is a bigger risk for somebody buying something from you because now they're buying something that is dependent on you. Can it stand on its own two feet? Are the systems in place? Are they good enough? So naturally, you're going to get less. Like there's no there's no way around it. Then if, you know, my friend who I sold to, he doesn't trade at all. He's totally out of trading. He has he has a business. It's independent of him. You know, I'm sure his input helps it makes it grow. But, you know, if he steps out, somebody else can step into that role and the patients don't notice. The community doesn't notice. No one notices that that he's gone. So, yeah, his business is going to be worth more than mine where I'm the chief cook and bottle. Right. So I'm assuming you would advise other practice owners or other business owners to start even take the first step of doing that even today to get themselves out of the day to day or or seeing patients producing revenue, being a, a revenue generator, being someone that is working in the business instead of working on the business. Right. The whole, you know, Gerber E myth approach. Exactly. So that, you know, it's funny. That book hit me like about a year before. Like I had read it a couple of times. That book hit me like right up, you know. When I was looking to sell, the whole thing hit me and came together. Yeah, systems are your business. Like if you don't have systems, you don't have a business. And you either own your systems or your staff owns your systems, right? If it's not documented, if it's not repeatable, if you can't pull somebody else out, put them in the seat, and they can very quickly operate at the same level of efficiency and do the same job just as well as the person that left, that's a pretty good indication that the other person owns your system. Well, this is people say they have key employees, right? If you have a key employee, that's because they own your system. They're the one that owns the system. You don't own the system or I didn't own the system. And once I started to look at those things, then me stepping back became a little bit easier. And, and if that's what somebody wants to do, but then by all means. Like you have to start documenting everything. You got to start getting checklists together. You got to get start getting you know what's said on the first phone call. What what are the therapists saying? What are they doing with information that's gathered? How it's like it's, it's like writing writing down and documenting like every step or procedure along the whole process. Like every every mechanism of right. the practice. Right. I don't like to use the word procedure because everybody thinks of policy and procedures manual and right. you know or or a soap or you know so, but those. Those aren't really what you're looking at. You're not looking. It is a procedure, but I don't even like to use the terminology because people think policies and procedures, and that is not what this is. This is the nitty gritty of how each individual job within your business works. These are the roles. These are responsibilities. This is what you do on the first phone call. This is the information that is gathered. This is the information that's given to the therapist. This is when the follow-up call is made. This is, that's what I'm talking about. It's that, you know, it is a procedure that that system that you have, it doesn't matter who you put in the seat. The same questions have to be gathered on that first phone call. The same information has to be given to the therapist, right? And once it's documented, it's in place. If somebody quits or somebody's sick and you got to put somebody else in that seat. Yeah. So I can give it to you in a couple of minutes. And they can sit down and they can have almost the same conversation on the phone call that the other person would have because I've given them some sort of system that they are following 
to create the experience that I want for my patients and for my therapist within the confines of that job. Right. So some of, some of your experience and where you were at in life in terms of the burnout, but also wanted to make sure your employees get taken care of. So that all makes sense. And at the same time, I want to kind of transition into what you're doing now, because we have many owners that we're speaking to about potentially acquiring their practices in New York and in New Jersey. And many of them that we're speaking to are, you know, 60, 70 years old. So they're, they're older and they're at the, they're at the point where maybe they don't have, like you said, key employees that are not able to, or willing to take over the overall management and ownership of the practice. So that's some of the owners that we're speaking with. You are on the very young side in terms of age and experience of professionals who typically exit their practice. So that's awesome. But again, you hinted at a few things about what you're doing now and and you found a different passion. So I want to go into that. One thing I do want to note is that there may be something, a poster or a sign or something offensive behind you. And now I don't want to mention because if, (laughs) if you're, if you're listening on iTunes or Spotify or something like that, you got to jump over to the YouTube, the YouTube video. You're not going to see it. And Ray's not going to say what it is, but it has to do with his whole mission and what he's doing. It could be offensive. It may be a curse word. Maybe it's a big red letters, but you're gonna have to jump over to the YouTube video right now on this interview to uh, check it out. So, right. You had a, a couple of different revelations in regards to what you were going to do next after exiting and selling your practice. And it, you hinted at some of the themes and some of the things that you realized in your practice. So again, because you're young, you had to go on and do something else. You weren't going to just be drinking mojitos on a beach every day and you were not ready to just fully unplug and retire. So what are you doing now that's taking up your time and, and how does that kind of factor into healthcare and physical therapy and all that? Well, first, the interesting thing, right? You were saying about, you know, you're not ready to, to retire to sit on the beach, drink mojitos. What I'm doing now, I never want to stop. Like, that's why I left. That's why I sold. Because I didn't feel that way about my practice anymore. And so to that end, I was, I needed to move. I needed to do that thing that I want to do. Like they say, you want to go down to the beach and drink mojitos and watch the waves. Yeah, maybe when I'm done here, but I got a lot of, like, I love what I'm doing and I want to keep doing this. I want to get this done, you know, so yeah, I, I don't. I don't think I ever. I'll ever fully stop doing this because I love it. Like I, I am that passionate about it. You yeah, know. So, and, so what are, what are you doing? And, and tell us about the company, the product, all that. Your mission. So well, it's this whole thing started out with just the stupid idea of I looked at my phone and I was like, why can't all these timers going off? The line? Why aren't they in my phone? So then, then that morphed into. Okay, well, if I'm fixing this little piece of this, there's a lot bigger pieces that need fixed. And so, and, honestly, and you mean you mean timers in an orthopedic physical therapy office? So if anyone's correct. ever worked on a those timer on a door, a timer for this or that, someone's yeah. on a modality, for someone's doing UB this or, or right, yeah, right, whatever. Right. So it started. I started out. I built that. Nobody wanted it. It was awful. It flopped. <laughs> so so then I kind of started building it further out into things that were more useful. And things that were really consuming my time, you know, documentation, like that's the biggest one, like documentation. I was taking an hour and a half, two hours worth of paperwork come every night. I jumped from EMR to EMR to EMR. I was demoing, just looking for the answer to this time. So like I said earlier, I got into this to have a better life for my family. And I realized after a while 
that when I was in it, I was giving a worse life to my family. Like I would come home and I would spend an hour and a half like on the couch doing my documentation while my family was in the room. And my wife was telling me that, yeah, you're here, but you're not really present. You're in that computer doing your documentation, you know, and I did that for a long, long time. And I missed a lot of things with my children, with my family events, opportunities to spend time with them. And uh, then removing that became my passion, you know? So then I started looking, I realized that we needed some sort of artificial intelligence to start documenting the, for me, like why I found that we were checking the same things or documentation review, you know, everybody, every single time therapeutic exercise checked, right? We select therapeutic exercise as one of the things that we're going to do. Manual therapy all the time was there for certain things, right? And I said, well, why can't these already be pre-selected? Why can't this thing learn from me and start to start to spit out what I want, right? So that's kind of what we did. And we created a software that not just did that, but also looked at the marketing aspects and the engagement with the patient. And trying to create this experience with the patient and all those things that I was talking about, like what questions are you asking on the first phone call? Well, okay, let's get those into a system. All right, let's dump those automatically into the documentation to the therapist. You know, let's tell the therapist what that first phone call and tell them what the patient said. So now the patient walks in and you're repeating to them what they already said to the front office. And it doesn't matter if it's a brand new therapist. It doesn't matter if it's somebody that's been there for 10 years or the person at the front desk is brand new. The information is always there. It's always discussed. So the patient knows exactly what to expect. And it's totally a different experience than they've ever had. They're used to repeating themselves, repeating themselves, repeating themselves. You know, they fill out the past medical history form. And then you then ask them the same questions off the past medical history form later in the evaluation, you know, and, you know, because you have to document them. Why doesn't that just pull off and dump into the documentation? So that's kind of uh, where the documentation piece started. And then we wanted to improve. Like when I started my practice, I started reaching out to people, right? I would call people. Hey, how are you doing? Hey, how, how did that work out? Oh, you're a little bit sore, right? So my practice grew and then I lost the ability to do that. I lost the time to do that. So we created automated systems to make that phone call automatically you know it's not a robotic call it's my voice right and they just shows up as a missed call with a voicemail and then i send them a text well i don't the system does automatically throughout different points in the patient life cycle and so we're getting ahead of it we're setting their expectations we're creating a better experience for them and ultimately to my practice what was happening cancellation no-show rate was improving completed plan of cares were going up aka we're making more money so that's kind of the broad overview of what it does. And that's been in varying degrees over the last eight and a half years of just working that and trying to get it cleaner and cleaner and cleaner. And that's part of the reason that I was saying that, you know, I showed them where they could improve my practice. I was using my practice like a lab, to be perfectly honest. Like it was a test. For me, you know, naturally, I wasn't testing, you know, trying new things with patient care 
you know, I was testing the software and looking at the software and asking patients about what their experience was. Did they like it? Did they not like it? You know, is this too much? Is this too little? You know, and uh, trying to hone that. So that that's why I was saying there was there was a lot more in my practice that I wasn't getting out of it because I was using it to my passion instead of using it to. That's also one of the reasons that I sold is because I wasn't being fair to my employees. The practice isn't making more money. I'm not, you know, they're not going to be making as much as they could. So I had to go for them. So you, you've had different apps and products, the different software products. So the, the main electronic medical record that is using artificial intelligence is self-doc. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. So we call it, it's, it's self-documenting AI medical record, but we just call it self-doc for short. Got it. What's the uh, website for any owner that's interested, wants to connect with you and, and kind of find out more information about that? Selfdocamr.com. So it's AI medical record, selfdocamr.com. And you can reach out to me, Ray Berardinelli, on Facebook. You can get me there. You can shoot me private messages if you, you know, have any questions, want to see anything, or, or even if they want, if you have questions about your cell or about what you're thinking. You know, I got no problem helping somebody out. You know, that's honestly, that's why I do what I do, because I, I want to help the PT community in general. And this is something that you and I have talked about at length outside of this. Sure, sure. You know, about where the profession is, where the profession is going, and how do we help that? How do we improve this? How do we, you know, so that, that's my passion. And that's why I do what I do. Awesome. Well, Ray, thank you so much for your time, for your openness, your transparency, your candidness about this. A lot of owners probably wouldn't go on a podcast and talk about even the multiple in terms of some of the terms of their transaction and their deal where they had gone through either an acquisition or an exit. So truly appreciate your time and your uh, your candidness there about your experience. Definitely is helpful for other owners to kind of hear how you navigated that. And uh, yeah, anyone that's listening, go ahead and reach out to Ray for Ardinelli. You can find him on Facebook, like he said reach out to uh, his company. If you're interested in the self-documentating EMR, I think that is uh, the wave of the future so that therapists can actually deliver more quality care and more time with patients rather than either the only other, if they're not treating patients, then they're documenting. And then if they're, they're either going to document in the office, right? Or document at home. So they really only have two options there. And if they can document less or there's some, legal and compliant way that's able to self-document a lot of or some of the process, then they could actually provide more time and, and listening and and interactions with patients. And then therefore those patients will probably get better outcomes because maybe they get more manual therapy or more cues about how to do their movements and exercises and drills properly. And they might have a better experience and then they might tell more people about the practice and it's a self-fulfilling cycle in terms of a better patient experience, right? So Go ahead and reach out to him. Ray, thank you so much for your time. And we definitely want to have you back here on the podcast. Hey, it's Dave Kittle. Are you a healthcare business owner or physical therapy practice owner who is looking to figure out your succession plan or exit strategy? We might be able to help. And in fact, we may be interested in acquiring your practice. If you're interested, you can reach out to me. Shoot me an email at dave at conciergepainrelief.com. That's D-A-V-E at C-O-N-C-I-E-R-G-E, painrelief.com, or you can call me at any time, 646-781-8884.